we can't assume that everybody in your audience is buying now. They're not. Most of them aren't. And so let's capture that demand that exists now. Let's do the things to make sure those people find us. But then let's go out there with the rest of that audience and let's make sure that we are building awareness, trust, positioning you as a thought leader. And that way, these people will know who you are. There will be positive associations with you and your brand when the time is right. And you're you're setting yourself up to be the first one they pick up the phone and call when that time comes. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. For this episode, I am flying solo. The last two years, around the turn of the calendar year, I've done solo episodes about what manufacturing organizations really need to be thinking about on the marketing front as they look at the year ahead. And this is my 2023 version. So I'm going to start by talking philosophy for just a few minutes, but then I'm going to get into the meat of it. And I'm going to take you step-by-step step through the exact marketing playbook that we use for our manufacturing clients. So you then have the opportunity to take that playbook and go apply it inside of your own organization. Now, it's worth noting that I co-own a marketing agency, so of course our clients have the luxury of access to a variety of marketing skill sets that most mid-sized manufacturers won't have in-house, but I want this to be just as helpful, obviously, to the in-house marketer that's maybe listening right now or anybody who has a hand in business development, marketing sales, et cetera, inside of a manufacturing organization. So what I'm going to do here is as I go through our playbook and sort of introduce you to the elements of that and what in turn you should be doing from my perspective on the marketing front in the new year. I'm going to make note of, you know, maybe ways to work through some of the challenges of maybe having limited resources in certain areas, because there's always a perfect way to do something and there's a good way to do it and a not so good way. And I want to make sure that we're not introducing a playbook here that you could never implement. And in places where it might be challenging to, we'll make note of that and talk about maybe an alternative way to do something. So this is helpful to you. And for any of you who think you could use some extra help from an agency like Gorilla, please shoot me a note and let's book a strategy call and see if there's a fit. And worst case scenario, I can hopefully point you in the right direction. So let's go ahead and get into this. So let's start here by talking philosophy for a few minutes before we get too tactical. I think for anybody who has been in manufacturing or even the B2B world in general for last 10 to 20 years, what you've probably noticed is that the B2B buying process has changed pretty dramatically. If you think back to, I don't know, 2005 or even 2010, and we're trying to find product information or gather information from a vendor or supplier or partner 
or look for new partners, find success stories, whatever it might be. It, you you kind of had to go to your network. You had to you know, go to through a referral source, call the people you knew. And I think what's really changed here over the last decade to two decades is just the availability and sheer volume of information that is now available to us. And so, you know, you think about trying to find product information or written content or case studies or success stories, video content, you know, more recently, audio content, like this podcast you're listening to right now, the, you know, it's just been a snowball of, of information. And what's really happened when you think about that from the standpoint of your prospects or buyers is that their power in the sale or the buying process has gone up significantly. You know, they they no longer have to pick up the phone and call you. They can go online and go through, you know, industry organization websites. They can Google search things. And there's so many ways to find information now, and there's so much available and so, you know, your power conversely in the sale has essentially gone down. And just to be clear, it doesn't mean that the value of a sales call, for example, is any less than it was it once was. It's just as powerful, if not more powerful now. It just means that the so much of the buying process is happening before you ever have a chance to speak with someone or or before you even know who's looking. And so it doesn't mean that, you know. It, it, this is not like a, a story of all all is going wrong in the world and there's nothing we can do. It just means that the way you go to market has to change. And if it hasn't already, now's the time here. So so what does that mean? How do you do that? You know, really what it comes down to is you need to be the best resource that you can be for your audience. And so you think about the things that your prospects and customers want to understand you know, the questions they're trying to get answered, the things they're trying to figure out how to achieve, the problems they're having, the outcomes they're trying to get to, and also the things they need to understand that they don't know yet. In a lot of cases, you know, somebody doesn't know what they don't know. And in in as it relates to your your world, it it's your job to educate them, frankly, and to change their mind about things or present different perspectives. So all of this information. If it's not out there, if you're not figuring out how to create that information for people and make sure it's visible and accessible, and not only that, but proactively going it out and getting that in front of the right pe people in, in places where they consume information, if you're missing that opportunity, it's just going to get harder and harder to have awareness to start the right conversations with the right people, especially as your competition gets better at doing that and kind of you know wakes up to the way that people are actually buying these days. So <clears throat> that's kind of at the core of it here is you need to be the expert resource. You need to be publishing content. You need to get that content and messaging in front of the right people proactively and not just sit back and wait for them to find it. So that, that's a good lead into just kind of my next point here, which is that the companies who get as far as you know, realizing this and they tap into the brains of their experts and they create amazing content that actually matters to their audience. Most of them then kind of sit back and they wait for the search engines and Google, YouTube, whatever to, to serve up people that to them, that, you know, to, to wait for their audience to find them through a search. And if we were talking five, five years ago, I'd probably be talking a lot about SEO or search engine optimization and making sure people can find you in Google 
it's still very important. I'm not trying to say it's not, but I think the problem, there's a problem here and there's an opportunity. The problem is that when you think about your audience and everybody who could be a potential customer, even if you just kind of look inside one key segment or customer type, you think about everybody who could be a potential customer, how many of those people do you really think are out there actively looking for a new solution right now? It's probably for most of you a very small percentage. You know, the more the more capex or big ticket or custom engineered your product is, the more true that becomes too. You know, you're selling some big piece of machinery, big ticket solution. You have a long term partnership sort of arrangement with your your customers. You know, those buy cycles only come around so often. Making a change is hard. There's capex investments to make, and so. A majority of your audience isn't out there looking right now, and they won't be next week, and they won't be in a month either. Some of them will be. Some will enter a buy cycle in in a month or three months or a year or five years from now. And so I think the point here is that there has to be, you need two side-by-side strategies running. One of them we would refer to as capturing existing demand. The other one we'd refer to as creating demand. Now, capturing demand, what, what does that really mean? It means that for the, the small percentage, often probably 1% to 3% of your audience that's actually out there looking for a solution right now or this week, you want them to find you, obviously. And this is where a place like Google plays a role, right? You, you need you go to Google when you need something, or maybe YouTube even these days or, or elsewhere, but only a small percentage of your audience is searching for a solution or to make a change actively. We got to do the work to make sure they find you. And we'll talk more about that when we get into the tactical stuff in, in a bit here. And then the other strategy that sits beside capturing existing demand is creating demand. And it's kind of a a fancy marketer's term for for really building awareness and trust in front of as much of your total addressable market as you can. So you think of everybody who fits that ideal customer profile out there, you know, the, the engineers or plant managers or whoever those key people are inside of you know, medical device manufacturing or automotive or aerospace or food and bed or whatever verticals you are really keyed in on and, and targeting. Think about the, all the people out there who could be a potential customer and, and coming back to what we just talked about, knowing that most of them are not in buying mode right now. Well, you can do one of two things with them. You can just blast bottom of funnel you know, sales messaging at them that's going to go straight over their heads because they're they don't want to they're not trying to buy right now, so they're not listening. Or you can be the best resource and you can focus on what matters to them. You can create amazing messaging content, insights. You can teach them things they may not realize. And then the the job you have is to go out there and figure out where are these people already spending time digitally. Where are they consuming information? And what's so amazing here, the opportunity here is that our ability to target those people by job title, by geography, by interest, by function inside their company, there there are so many ways to slice and dice and build audiences. And the big media companies, especially social media companies, Facebook, LinkedIn, the, the information they have just on such a large percentage of the population out there lets us deliver messaging and content to exactly who we want to. So we'll get more tactical on that as well later. But the point here again is, you know, I think this is one of the most important points I'll make here. If you take anything away from this particular podcast is that 
we can't assume that everybody in your audience is buying now. They're not. Most of them aren't. And so let's capture that demand that exists now. Let's do the things to make sure those people find us. But then let's go out there with the rest of that audience and let's make sure that we are building awareness, trust, positioning you as a thought leader. And that way, these people will know who you are. There will be positive associations with you and your brand when the time is right. And you're, you're setting yourself up to be the first one they pick up the phone and call when that time comes. Okay, so we've talked philosophy. Now let's get into the tactical playbook. This is... The exact playbook that we implement for our clients. We work within a very defined methodology. Everything gets customized to any particular client's situation, of course. But there's a framework here that you can put into play for your organization too. Depending on what resources you've got inside your company or, you know, freelancers or other agency partners you're working with, any of this stuff can be done. The framework itself is pretty simple. It's rooted in marketing fundamentals, but there's sort of a, a chronological order of events here. And I'm going to go through all this and I'm going to, again, make sure that I'm talking about this in a way where you, you can put it into play, regardless of whether you you can spend $20,000 or $300,000 on marketing in, in the coming year. So, all right, let's let's talk about it here. So there at its core, there are sort of four pieces of the pie here. The first part is we need to create focus and get the right marketing plan in place. I think a lot of companies go in and they're throwing darts, trying all kinds of tactical things without a true strategy in place. So I'm going to talk about how we help our clients get to that strategy up front so that you're eliminating a lot of wasted time, you're, you're not spreading yourself thin, et cetera. The second piece is what we call a go-to-market messaging strategy. This is about actually using real insights from your ideal fit customers and letting that drive the messaging that you're going to then create and go out and sort of disseminate to your audience to replicate those types of customers. We got to get the messaging right and it needs to resonate with the right people from the right companies in the right industries, et cetera. The third piece of the pie is now that we've got it, you know, we've created focus and a plan. We've got the messaging right. We know it's going to resonate with the right people. The, the next piece is now we need to create a base of amazing content. So insights that could be written, video, audio, live event, case studies, variety of things that content can really mean. And I think what that content needs to be can vary from one organization to the next, but we need to create an amazing base of content so that we can then in step four, the final piece of the pie here is go out and proactively distribute all of these these message this messaging these insights this amazing content that speaks to a specific audience and we know is going to resonate with them we can't sit back and wait for all that content to collect dust we need to go out where people are consuming information we need to distribute that to them and make sure they're consuming it and refine it as we go so that we can measure what's actually happening and start to build pipeline for the business so those are kind of the four pieces one a roadmap two go-to-market messaging strategy, three essential content, and four campaigns. Now let's get into each of these one at a time, break them down, talk about what needs to happen, give you some advice on how to get those things in motion inside of your company. Okay, so first piece of the pie, roadmap. When we do this with our clients, we start with a half-day discovery workshop. We get the CEO or president, we get the VP of sales, we get 
maybe a few key sales engineers or people on the sales front who interact regularly with customers, really understand them, what matters to them, and then anybody with a marketing job title. We get that group, it's usually about five to seven people, get them in a, in a room. You know, these days, virtually is how we do it. But if you're all in one place, great, get people around a table, order some lunch, and, and we do it as a four hour session. And we have a very specific sort of set of you know, what we call discovery questions. And I'll make note here, if you email me or message me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to send you that set of discovery questions. And so you can use that to run one of these exact, you know, these same kind of workshops inside your company. But we're, we're going through things like, you know, what what are the, the company's overarching goals? You want, you want to hear that sort of thing from your CEO, president, the leader of your company, because you want to align your marketing strategy with that. What are we trying to do from a revenue growth standpoint, or bottom line growth standpoint from, you know, the standpoint of generating more opportunities, leads, filling pipeline, what are the sort of business level goals that need to be accomplished so we can sort of reverse engineer the marketing program to get there. We want to talk about different audience segments. Where are we going to focus? Let's have an open discussion among the key stakeholders at the business about where to focus. There's so many companies I talk to that, you know, they work with companies in automotive and aerospace and in medical and chemical and oil and gas. And, you know, you, everybody, everybody from all these different verticals, they, they have different needs, they have different things they care about. So your messaging is going to be different, your content's going to be different. We can't be everything to everybody at once. So let's pick some focus areas. So let's talk about that talk about have a, a, a an open conversation about where really is the opportunity? Where are we most profitable? Is Are there new segments where we know there's runway to, to be successful? Where have we kind of tapped out or maybe there's just not as much growth potential? And these are organizational decisions that need to be made. So marketing can align with that. You know, what have you been doing on the marketing and sales front? What's been working? What hasn't? What resources do you have available inside your company to throw at marketing, whether it means manpower or it means you know, dollars or outside partners, what what resources are going to be available? What's the competitive set look like? Who's doing what? How competitive, it, how difficult is it going to be to sort of get by some of those people? Or how do we need to navigate around those companies? So these are the sorts of things. Again, if you, I'm happy to send that discovery survey to you so you can put it to use and have a discussion around those things. We always collect as much of that information as we can ahead of time. And then we kind of break it down further in the workshop. But then what you need to do is, is and what we do for our clients is we leave and we take a few weeks after that workshop and we say, okay, given, given everything we've learned here, we need to focus in these areas and you know, we'll do the research on how, how are we going to get to this audience? Who are the key stakeholders, et cetera. But you know, that that's where you, you probably want somebody with, with some, some marketing skill set to be really be driving that, that planning and you know, plan creation process, but it needs to be rooted in where the company's going, where you need to focus is really what it comes down to. So get that roadmap in place. Okay, I'm gonna move on to the next part now. So that, that was sort of piece one of the pie here, the roadmap. Now, when you move into go-to-market messaging strategy, this is usually the first piece of implementation that you know falls into that, what we recommend to our clients in that roadmap. But with a go-to-market messaging strategy, what we're trying to do here is you know, now that we've created focus on the right audience, how are we going to figure out what we need to say to them? And so I think a lot of companies make 
assumptions about what matters most to their audience, you know, just through their experiences with them, through sales calls, through what they hear, you know, whether first or second hand. But what we have found to be so effective is to take the time to physically interview a handful, maybe five to 10 key customers in the segment that you're trying to reach, where you're trying to grow your business, interview real existing customers, ideally ones who have, you know, kind of closed with you more recently. So their buying process is fresh on their mind. But what we're, what we're trying to learn are things like what mattered to them in the buying process, right? What are the core responsibilities in their job? And how does what you do impact that? What did they like about the buying process with you and, and just in general about your company versus competitors? What didn't they like? What were other people doing better We've got a whole, this is another thing I'm happy to send. If you reach out to me, I'll send you our customer interview question list. And you can go ahead and conduct those customer interviews yourself and learn everything you can from them. I always recommend recording those customer interviews, having them transcribed. You can use rev.com, R-E-V.com to, I think it's about a dollar a minute or $1.50 a minute to have these interviews transcribed. And then what we do is we take all the insights we gathered from these customer interviews and we look for the patterns. We kind of you know, distill all the information across this. And what we'll often find is that, you know, four of the six people we talked to all were saying the same dang thing, you know, just using different words. A lot of times there are surprises that we'll, we'll see pop up. And then sometimes two or three people said the same thing. And we realize, okay, there might be really something here. We want to validate things we assume to be true. We want to figure out which of those assumptions may be wrong. We want to pull some new insights and what's really amazing is you get into crafting your strategy or your, your messaging then is you can take the words directly from the mouths of your customers and let that become part of your written positioning. So, okay, so we got the customer insights. Now, what we're doing in, in inside of this go-to-market messaging strategy is we are going to craft using one of a few platforms you can use. I'll recommend a couple in a minute, but we need to craft sort of written positioning language that says... It essentially communicates you, this is who we help. This is how we help those people. This is what makes us different. And these are the problems that we solve. And people come to us when they're having these issues. But you know, since you're focused on a specific audience, you've talked to people just like them, you've learned from them what matters the most to them. Now we can create messaging that we know is going to resonate with people just like them who don't yet know who you are. So there are a few frameworks that we like to use for this. When we do this process for our clients, we actually create them in two formats. One of them is, if, if you've heard of Donald Miller and StoryBrand, you can look that up. He's kind of a famous author at this point. He's created a really great framework that sort of mimics the, the hero's journey and the, the classic Hollywood story where, you know, you are essentially, you're Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi and your customer is Luke Skywalker, right? You're not the hero. They're the hero. It's your job to be the guide. And so it's a way, he kind of gives you a framework for writing a very customer-centric positioning that tells the story of how, how you help get your customer to success in a way that's going to resonate with them rather than being all about you. Then another framework we've used quite a few times in the past, we kind of have our own version of this, but Mike Weinberg, he wrote a book called New Sales Simplified. And chapter eight of that book is all about writing your sales story. And it essentially is a, a framework for like a one page this is who we help. This is how we create value for them. This is what makes us different. Great framework. I'd recommend picking up his book. But 
you can kind of take all the insights from those customer interviews and then use those to, it'll be a lot easier to craft this written positioning. So now you've got that in place. The other thing we will do for our clients during this step, which you can do as well, is, is now say, okay, we, we have our messaging for the audience we want to target. What supporting content do we need to create? To, what, what do we need to educate on? What, what do people not understand that they need to know? Or what do they, you know, like I said earlier, there are things they don't know that they don't know. And so what it's it's your job to then change their mind or position, you know, this thing they've been doing the same way for many years. Maybe there's a better way to do it and they don't even realize that. Is there a problem they don't even know they have? But we want to figure out what things they need to know that sort of overlap with your area of expertise and then you know, go ahead and lay out a content strategy. What are the maybe the five to 10 most important pieces of content that you need to educate on? It could be written thought leadership content where you know, whether you're using an agency or a freelance writer or you're doing it yourself, what we find is find the sub, you know, if you find the subject matter expert inside your company, who's really a true expert on, on the subject, interview them, turn on Zoom or sit down in a room with them, but record it and interview them all about this topic have them talk. Sometimes the audio clips themselves can become content or the whole interview, depending on the person and how it went. But worst case scenario, you can kind of distill all of their insights into some written content. It's it, We call this knowledge extraction. You know, Take what's in the brains of your deep subject matter experts on the topics that matter to your audience and turn it into content. You know, The other way to do this is do a live event. You think about the traditional webinar. I think there are, we've written content about how to do a better manufacturing webinar, but I think there's an opportunity to take a couple of your subject matter experts and facilitate a Zoom-based conversation with them and invite invite your audience, use your email list, you post on social media, set up a live event for you know three weeks from now on Thursday at two o'clock, give the event a title. And all it is is a Zoom conversation where you're breaking down, you know, how to do it something this way versus this way, or um, you know, five things that you may not know when you're in the buying process for X, Y, or Z, a ton of different ways you could you know, you just think about what those topics are. And as opposed to writing a piece of content around it, have a, a facilitated conversation with a few of your subject matter experts and invite your audience into that conversation and then open up Q&A. So there, there's so many ways to do content. You can record that and then publish that on YouTube. So it's evergreen. Um, but that's that's the idea here. The last piece of that go-to-market messaging strategy is lay out the content plan. What is you know, we don't you don't have to publish five blog posts a week to be successful, or even five a month. You know that's that's sort of a, a strategy from five or ten years ago, where it's just pure volume optimized for keywords. We want to create the most effective content right out of the gate, not overwhelm your team with it. And then later on, when we talk about you know campaigns and distributing content, now it's going to be a matter of how do we go get that content out to the right people. Okay, so so just kind of concluding this this section, you know, step one was create the roadmap, get the marketing plan in place that's focused. Step two is the go-to-market messaging strategy: interview the customers, craft the messaging to resonate with them, figure out what the content plan is that's going to need to, to support that. Now we're going to move into the third step out of four, which is creating the content. I can be pretty brief here because I've already explained what I mean by content, but we call this the step when we do it for our clients, essential content. And that's for a reason. It's really what I just stated a, a moment ago. It's you don't need 
50 blog posts over the next year or 50 videos or whatever it is to be successful, you really need a handful of really great ones for the right audience. And then you need to be distributing those at scale. So this step of essential content is now it's time to do the dirty work of creating the content and creating amazing content is, is tough work. There's just no way around that because you can't fake it. I think there are a lot of marketers out there who they try to go create content without the help of the subject matter experts. And frankly, that eliminate, I mean, that, that sort of defeats the whole purpose. The idea is you want the knowledge and the brains of your deep experts who have all this experience and they know what they're talking about and they're the best in the industry. We want to take snippets of that and pieces of that and publicly publish it and demonstrate your expertise. You don't have to give away all your secret sauce. You just need to demonstrate that you are an expert and be helpful. If you are helpful in your marketing content, you're going to earn trust. You're going to garner attention. People are going to keep coming back to you for more. And, and that's what builds awareness and trust. So this third step of four is creating the essential content. You've already made the plan in the last step that you're going to write You know these four blog posts and film these three videos and do this live event and write two case studies or whatever that mix winds up being. But what you're doing now is you're you're actually making the content. Okay, so that we've gone through the first three steps here, creating the roadmap or the plan, creating the the go-to-market messaging strategy, creating the content to support that. The last piece of the pie, as I mentioned very early on in this podcast, is we need to now go out and distribute the messaging and content that you've created via campaigns. We cannot just sit back and wait for people to find us and wait for the search engines to serve up visitors to, you know, which come from one to 5% of your total audience that's actually out there looking right now. We need to go out to that total addressable market and distribute at scale all of this, these amazing content assets you've been making and do it at the right cadence, just time after time after time to build awareness and trust over time. Um, and, and that's that's one part of campaigns, this fourth step. The, this, the other part of campaigns is we need to run those Google ads. We, we got to get out there and capture the demand that exists and make sure people find you. you know, search engine optimization can be a part of that too. It's just a longer game and it, create, it takes a lot of work. So if, if you're kind of launching a new strategy and haven't done a lot of marketing, you're probably, your capture demand strategy is probably Google ads. But let's get into all that here, here in a second. So Fourth step, running campaigns, or you could look at a big part of this as content distribution, right? You've made the content, now we need to distribute it. So this is where it's, things start to get a little more technical and probably a little more challenging if you don't have experiencing, experience doing this stuff, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you're probably going to have to do a little work to learn how to do this stuff and do it well because... The, you know, the the platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, Google, they will be more than happy to take your money. And and to it's, it's very easy to waste a lot of money doing this. And so you got to go in with some knowledge and not just be kind of throwing darts. Okay, so let's, you know, let's talk about creating demand, which is the first sort of half of this fourth step of running campaigns. So where, what we have found is that largely speaking, the best way to get in front of as large of a percentage of your audience that fits a certain customer profile is going to be targeting them on LinkedIn and, and in many cases also Facebook. What I'm not talking about here is taking a piece of content, a blog, a link to a blog post or a video or whatever, and posting it from your personal LinkedIn profile or your company LinkedIn profile. 
I'm a huge fan of organic strategy on in social channels, but the reality is that that it takes consistency. You got to be doing it almost daily. You you need to be proactively, you know, reaching out and connecting with people in your audience. And I just haven't found that most manufacturing leaders, even manufacturing marketing folks are willing to put in the time and have enough insights to share that they can do that consistently in a way that's going to sort of be fruitful. It's it's kind of a, a rare situation. And so the really the, I'm not going to call it a shortcut here because this is a, a great strategy in and of itself, but rather than taking you know, do you need to go to all three trade shows next year? Or can you do two and reallocate budget to doing this? Because this is kind of like having a 24 seven 365 trade show where what we can do is say, you know, hey, LinkedIn, show this video that we just filmed in this you know, content creation, part of piece of the pie that we just talked about, take this video of our engineer talking about long term cost of ownership, or breaking down this type of product versus this type of product or talking about timeline to ROI or, you know, speaking technically about X or Y or Z, show this video or this written piece of content to you know, supply chain management engineers, design engineers, senior procurement engineers, quality engineers, manufacturing engineers, or whoever you're targeting inside of electronic equipment manufacturing, machinery manufacturing, fabricated metal products, or whatever industries or subsets of industries you're trying to reach. You know who those job titles are. You know what industries you're trying to reach. And we've already talked about creating that focus. What we can now do is use a platform like LinkedIn and target exactly who we need to reach and be able to distribute that content you're making directly to them. Now, there's there are a lot of nuances to this. And I think I my recommendation would probably be that you, you take an online course. Honestly, if you're going to do this, whoever's responsible for it in your company, take an online course about running LinkedIn ads. I can link to, to one in the show notes. That's probably a good starting place for you. But Learn how to do this. Spend three hours learning how to use LinkedIn's ad manager and build out actual campaigns targeting the right people. If you've got the content, now it's just a matter of targeting the right people and distributing. Few tips here. So, what we like to do when we're running paid social campaigns like this for our audience is we want to run different campaigns side by side. So, what I mean by that is You've created some thought leadership content at this point, maybe a written blog post, maybe video where you're teaching, right? That's one type of campaign. That teaching content is going to work really well with people who are trying to learn. They don't know what they don't know yet. We want to educate them proactively. A second type of campaign that you're probably going to want to run is something around product education, You know, helping them understand your product line versus another, what differentiates you. Another campaign you probably want to run is success stories or social proof, as we would call it, where you're actually telling the story of somebody who looks just like them in that job title from that type of company and what things looked like for them before they started working with you and what things looked like after Um even better if you can get a video or audio or even written quote from them so that if it's very authentic, that goes a long way. And then you're probably running another campaign side by side with that that is more bottom of funnel. It's, you know, hey, let here's the here's the value proposition. Let's have a consultation or let's do a site audit or whatever your sort of, you know, bottom of funnel sales ready 
messaging needs to be. And when you're running campaigns with different content that fit each of these three buckets from educate product education to thought leadership to social proof or case studies to bottom of funnel, now what you're doing is if there are 80,000 people out there that we're targeting that fit this job title from this type of company in this industry, we are now telling a sort of a complete story all across different stages of the buying process. So those 300 people who are actively looking you know, the the case study probably resonates with them. And some of them will click on that request consultation or free site audit ad. The people who are not in a buying process, you know, the content that'll resonate with them is the thought leadership stuff, right? Where you're teaching them or showing them a new perspective on something that they always did the same way. So we're touching people across all stages of the buying process. And what we're trying to do is reach them usually about nine to 12 times a month is, is what we're aiming for. So campaign one, maybe there's a few touch points with them there. Campaign two, a few more touch points, three and four, the same thing. So telling a story across the whole buy cycle with a variety of different types of content, the impact of reaching that many people that many times in a way that's not annoying to them, but is actually helpful is just so powerful. And it's it's a, a targeting capability and content and messaging delivery capability that just wasn't there five to 10 years ago. And if it was, it was it was much more primitive. It's just, this is the opportunity right now that is, is so amazing is how we can dial in and target exactly who you need to reach and at scale and at the right cadence. So that's kind of a summary. You know, you can do this on LinkedIn, you can do it on Facebook. It gets a little more complex there because you can't job title target the same way, et cetera. But if you got the right tools in place, there are sort of ways around it. But that is the, the you know, when we're looking at step four here, running campaigns or distributing content, that's sort of the create demand part of it. This is how you build awareness and trust with your audience. The other side of, of the coin there is the capture demand side. You know, these are, again, we talked about this earlier, but the people who are looking actively for a solution right now and what you want to be doing there, our, our recommendation is go in with a, go in with a, you know, $1,500 a month media budget with Google ads and start running, running Google ads around keywords that would indicate buying intent. So, you know, think about what would somebody in your audience be physically looking for in a Google search if they're looking for a solution, not if they're trying to learn, we don't need to pay for that traffic to your website, but if they're actually looking to buy a solution, what are the keywords they're probably focused on? And let's run our Google ads campaigns around that. So, you know, lots of nuance to this, of course, but that's kind of the the strategy when it comes to step four running campaigns is spend a lot of your time and energy distributing that content at scale at the right cadence you know, across the buy cycle stages to as many of those people as you can reach, try to reach them you know, maybe nine to 12 times a month in general. And it's just going to have a, a massive impact over, you know, probably the course of four to six months is when you're really going to start to see impact there. And then on the other side, start capturing that existing demand. Okay. So that's the playbook. Now let's talk just for a moment here about how do you quantify impact? How do you know this stuff's working? What should you expect in terms of results? Tough question to answer, of course, and especially if you're new to this and running this for the first time inside your company and don't necessarily have an outside partner. But here's what I can tell you. You know, I think that a program like this is really built on what we describe as a focused funnel model. 
in a more traditional marketing and sales funnel, it's kind of about you know, get as many leads in the door as possible. Our sales team's great. We'll close we'll close deals if you just get us more leads. And I think the problem that happens there is marketing teams wind up trying to optimize their programs for just more leads. They you know, buy Zoom info and they try to collect email addresses in exchange for white paper downloads and product brochure downloads and things like that. And you wind up with a bunch of leads that really don't have buying intent. They're not sales ready. And so a program like this is really focused on not how many leads can I get in the door, but getting the right information to the right people at the right time. And when you take an approach like that, you start where we recommended starting with customer interviews, getting the messaging right for that type of customer, creating amazing content that supports that messaging for that type of customer, targeting that type of customer, where they consume information, distributing content to them time after time after time that is meaningful to them and not just salesy in nature, all stages of your sales funnel, your marketing and sales funnel, just improve naturally. You know, you're starting with better, more targeted leads in the first place. More of them are going to be qualified out of the gate. The message resonates with them. And so more of those people actually turn into quoted opportunities. And, and the consistency of delivering messaging and content helps turn more of those into quoted opportunities. And you wind up with more customers out the bottom. And so I think we just, first thing you need to do there from a, you know, thinking about results is this is a different type of marketing and sales funnel than most companies are used to. So there's kind of a mindset shift there. But what, so when do you start to see results? Well, you know, it's a, of course, this is one of those questions where there's, there's no clear answer. We know that when we're running this with our clients, once we get that foundational work done, the position, you know, the customer interviews, the positioning work, creating that content, and, and we start moving into campaigns, usually about four to eight weeks into running campaigns, we start to see a lot of positive signals. We see that, you know, the right job titles from the right companies are consuming the content. We're, they're following the, the content back to the our website. Um, they're filling out, starting to fill out content, you know, contact forms or RFQ forms or request a consultation forms. You're starting to see those marketing KPIs or positive signals. Now, those are not the end-all be-all. The end-all be-all is sourced revenue or sourced pipeline that leads to revenue coming from your marketing program. And usually we find that you need to be running campaigns for about four to six months to really start to see a true impact in terms of positive ROI. And that also assumes that you're running very effectively. You know, obviously, if some of you have some experience doing this, others, it's kind of new to you. And so, you know, once, once you're, you're really good at running this, though, a program like this, when we find with our clients, by the end of that six month, if they're not seeing a positive ROI or, or a meaningful shift in quoted business with the right people from the right companies that makes them say, there's no way I'm turning this program off, then something's not working. So I think that gives you, it gives you a sense. You get the foundational work done. You start running campaigns for four to six, four to eight weeks see some positive signals and buy, you know, the six month of running campaigns, you should be really cruising if if you're doing this very effectively. So that pretty much covers it. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm very open again to if you feel like you need some help from the outside and want to book a strategy call, please do. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Joe Sullivan, Gorilla76, or you know, you can you can reach me at joe at gorilla76.com if you want to email me directly. And we can talk about what this could look like for you. And again, if there's not a fit, hopefully at least point you in the right direction. So I hope this helps. Hope this gives you some ideas and insights, whether it's a full-scale program you implement in the new year or there are just some nuggets you took here to improve things you're doing or, or you know, help you roll in some things that you haven't 
been doing to date. Hopefully this this gets you moving in the right direction and best of luck as you head into the new year. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.